Hey guys, it's Alana, and I am so incredibly excited to welcome you to an episode that I have been waiting for so long to record. And not only that, so many of you have been asking for this episode, if not begging, since the day that Seeing Other People came out. So I am joined today by the one and only Logan Yuri. Logan is a dating coach, behavioral scientist, Hinge's director of relationship science, the author of How to Not Die Alone, most recently the teacher of a cohort-based dating course called Date Smarter, and breaking news because she isn't already doing enough, she obviously now is the in-house dating expert on a brand new podcast that debuted this week called This Is Dating. Logan, I have literally never met a more impressive person in my life, and on top of this, you are also an incredible wife and an amazing friend, so it is an honor to finally welcome you to Seeing Other People. Yay, that was such a beautiful intro. Excited to join you and excited to connect with the Seeing Other People audience. I am so excited to announce that Mindset Wellness has doubled the discount code for the Seeing Other People family this year. That is insane, you guys. Instead of getting 10% off, now if you are a member of the Seeing Other People community and you use the code Seeing Other People at checkout, you can get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. So this is a huge game changer. If you've been on the fence about trying Mindset Wellness CBD's products, now you really have no excuse. Being able to choose your mindset has been one of the most wonderful gifts I've been given over the past year, and nothing would make me happier than for you to feel empowered to choose your mindset too. Head to mindsetwellness.com and choose your mindset today. And of course, remember, code seeing other people at checkout, that will hook you up. Amazing. Yeah. And for those who remember the Dating Sucks era, Logan was a two-time Dating Sucks guest. And even to this day, when I post those question boxes on the story asking for feedback and I ask, what's been your favorite episode of Seeing Other People? You guys answer Logan on Dating Sucks. So this is going to be a good one. Um, So Logan, let's just start with the new stuff you're doing. Why don't you tell me about the podcast, This Is Dating, and your course, Date Smarter? Sure. So maybe it was about two years ago, I got a call from the producers of Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel, which I don't know if your audience listens to, but it's a really popular podcast where the one and only couples therapist, Esther Perel, has um, basically invites you inside the couples therapy office and she introduces a couple. They usually have some sort of unique problem going on, or maybe it's a very relatable one. And then you listen to them, the couple talking to each other, you listen to her talking to them, and then you listen to the commentary. And so I was thrilled because to me, this is like one of the best relationship podcasts out there. And so over the last two years, we've been developing this show called This Is Dating. And you follow four characters. They're real life daters who each have their own kind of baggage around dating. And then I coach them, help them understand what's holding them back, give them advice. And then we also set them up on dates. And so you hear them with me, you hear them on dates. And then throughout the dates, I'm through Zoom chat, sending them questions. So sort of curating the date. And then you're listening to them on the date, responding to the questions. And then of course, there's an epic debrief at the end where I talk to the character or the dater themselves about, you know, did you like the person? That's the part I'm most excited to hear, the post-date debrief. That's like, I feel like that's the most exciting thing when my friends go on dates or my listeners go on dates and I'm just sitting at my computer, sitting out on my bed, doing whatever I'm doing, like waiting to get that text or that call at the end to hear how it goes. So I'm I know. Super I love that. I love that as a recipient. I also have really clear memories of 
how I felt walking home from some of the best dates of my life. And it is sort of a movie moment where you're like, oh my God, like we were there for hours. It was so fun. This guy's so special. Like there just are, there is a post-date high that you can get with the special person. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's kind of like after a great first date, you almost feel like you're walking on a cloud. And it's this really nice reminder of even if it doesn't work out, even if that date doesn't lead to a relationship, it's like dating can be fun and this actually can work. And it's just a really nice refresher of why you're doing this. Yeah, right. Like I know a lot of people listening to the show want to be in a relationship and I want that for them too. But there are also great dates that don't turn into relationships that can remind you, oh, this is what it feels like to connect with someone for time to stop, to have this feeling of desire and being desired. I would also say that for the show, I think it's similar to how um, for the show, Where Should We Begin?, it's like, oh, what goes on in a couple's therapy office? I've never heard that before. This has the behind the scenes feeling of what does it sound like? Not when I'm doing a podcast recording, but when I'm coaching someone one-on-one and being like, hey, like you're saying one thing, but you're doing the opposite. Like you need to rectify this. You need to really show up the way you want to show up and kind of just like that vulnerable feeling that the person's bringing to the experience and then the chance for me to be like, okay, real talk, like here's what I feel like is going on. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of coaching, your course, Date Smarter. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I feel like other than the podcast, which I guess is also coaching one-on-one, so much of the coaching I do is just like me talking to an individual, right? And I feel like I can really help these people and I have these like major wins where somebody goes on their first date or somebody gets into a relationship for the first time in a long time. But it's also like there's millions of single people who need help and I can't help them all with one-on-one coaching. So then it's like the one-on-one coaching is like super individualized. I wrote the book, which a lot of people have bought. Hopefully some of them have read. Then I was like, I also want to find something where I'm turning the lessons from the book into actions that people can take. And so the class is designed, it's not just videos that you watch where you're like, oh, okay, that's information. Maybe I should do that. Because that's almost what the book is. The book is information. It's trying to be this moment where it's like, I have information. I have a group of students who are in the class who are holding me accountable. I have Logan and the other coaches holding me accountable. And now I'm actually going to take those lessons and turn them into something. That's awesome. And I think that's a huge difference from like, like you said, like people have read the book, but that doesn't necessarily mean they've put those lessons into action. And I know it's like knowing what the right thing to do is, but doing the opposite or knowing that you should be putting in the work or you have the tools to put in the work, but you can't hold yourself accountable. And I'm sure having that and having you and other coaches and other students in the class, it's like you almost feel a responsibility to them. Like you signed up, you're there you expect that they're doing it and they expect that you're doing it too. So I think that's a really awesome way to actually work through it and and get closer to your goals. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, my background is in behavioral science, which is the study of how people make decisions. And a big part of this is that we often act against our own best interests. So what that might look like is we might say, okay, I really have some financial goals for the future. I'm going to save money. I'm going to stop spending money. But then the minute that we get, you know, a 20% off coupon from our favorite home goods store, like suddenly we're buying a new rug. And so it's like, want to save money, get tempted, do this thing against our own best interest. So when you think about that with dating, it's like, 
you can read my book, have all the best intentions about applying it. And I hope that people do. And lots of people have emailed me about doing it, but information is not enough. You also oftentimes need these systems in place. So maybe that's an accountability partner. So you read the book with someone and you say, hey, let's both commit to start dating again on January 31st. And that could be the system that you need to get yourself out there. But a lot of people, especially people like in their mid 30s or later 30s, they feel like they're the only one of their friends that's still single and there's it's very isolating. And so I love that in this community, it's like, oh, these people who are attractive, interesting, professional, sophisticated, charming, they're also single. That makes me feel less bad. It makes me feel less alone. And now we can all help each other as a community find someone. So I think that the lectures I give are useful. I think the information is useful, but what is most useful is being in a community of other people like you who are helping you actually fulfill the goals that you've set for yourself. Absolutely. And this is a little sneak preview of what's to come later this week, but I actually spoke with two of the students who took Logan's most recent round of this course, and one they could not stop speaking so highly of the other students in the class and how that experience was and how it was so different than anything they've ever done before or any type of like support system they've tried to do with a friend or even like one-on-one dating coaching. I think the community aspect brings a whole new level of accountability and camaraderie to the stage. And I think it's it was a beautiful thing hearing about it. So I'm so excited for everybody to hear that episode. Yeah. Yeah. And one more thing I'll say about that is like, I feel like there's sort of this thing in our culture where we love people who like set goals and go after them themselves and are sort of these like lone wolves, right? And it's funny because Scott, my husband, who we'll talk about later, he is like this. Like Scott doesn't understand why people don't achieve their goals. He's like, oh, you just make a goal and then you just do it. Like if you're going to meditate every day, you just sit down and meditate. If you want to work out every day, you just work out. Like one day he just decides to be vegan and then Four and a half years later, he just has never eaten dairy or meat. And so for him, it's like he's one of these rare people that Gretchen Rubin calls an upholder where they like set a goal and they can uphold the goal for themselves. But most of us are not like that. Most of us are what I am, which is an obliger, which is we set expectations for ourselves. We miss them. But if we set expectations for another person, then we want to meet them. And so I know that I couldn't have written my book if I was just like, here's a deadline needed. I had all these hacks that helped me make it social, have people come to dinners where I would share chapters. Like I have used these tricks to make myself accountable to other people to achieve my goals. So now doing that in a class about dating, for dating, makes total sense to me because I'm like, most people are not the Scots of the world where they can just do this by themselves. We actually need help achieving our goals. I don't know a single person like Scott. I mean, the, the, really? The, like, to, that, <laughs> that sounds so crazy to me and like so far beyond anything that I can comprehend because I, I mean, it, it's just so different than the way I operate. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like we always see people on social media talking about like, okay, like this is my goal. This is my intention. This is my resolution. And I'm like, nobody ever accomplishes these things, but they make it seem like they do. They make it seem like they stick to it. And I'm like, are you really sticking to it though? And then it makes me feel bad about myself for not being able to stick to, I'm going to work out four times a week this week. There's this thing called a freedom phone. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's like people are buying like old iPhones and they're just putting on them like 
the podcast apps, Google Maps, maybe text and like they only put a few people's number in there and it's basically like I want to go out and about with like Google Maps, podcasts and a camera but not be like attached to the internet and not do all these things on the internet and get all these notifications that I don't want to get. And I was talking to Scott about it and I was like, oh, I kind of want a freedom phone and here's what I would do with it. And he's like, why? Just like don't do the other things. But I was like, you really but, don't understand that most people but, can't do that? But, he's but, like, but, every phone is a freedom phone. Yeah. I know. It was just so funny. But like I think it's one of the reasons I like him and I admire him because like I don't have that trait and he does. Mm-hmm. And I think it's super impressive, but it's also most people cannot just decide, oh, I'm going to use a regular phone to be a freedom phone. They need the system in place to block the notifications, to not have a web browser on there, to not have Instagram on there. Like most people need that. And so if you think about the fact that most people need strict structures in place in order to achieve their goals, like that's what all of this is about. It's saying like, I'm not going to start dating on January 31st if I tell myself that, because if I let myself down, that's fine. But if I tell you that and you're also doing the same thing, we're going to make sure that each of us holds holds ourselves to Yeah, it. absolutely. And for any Android listeners out there, my brother Andrew, who was previously on the episode Confessions of an Ex-Fuckboy, he actually spent a few years creating something like this, where it's actually an app you can download. It's called Siempo, and it turns your phone essentially into a freedom phone. There's no social media. There's no internet. You can have your podcast. You can have Google Maps. You can phone call, make phone calls, but um, that's about it. So... Oh, is it still yeah. around? He doesn't. The, oh, I, I yeah. Want the company's that. been kind of like folded, but the app is still out there. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think just at the point at which people are like goals are achieved when you have help from other people, and goals are achieved in a community setting, it just really can open a lot of doors for you, right? It's like willpower is a lie. It's really about creating structures that help you achieve your Absolutely. goals. So speaking of accountability, um, Logan, you and I have known each other for what, like two and a half years now? Is that right or no? Two, a year I think, yeah, coming up, coming up on, on two, two years. years. Coming up I don't know what years. time is anymore. Yeah. Um, it's almost our two-year anniversary. Well, what are we going to do to celebrate? We'll have to do something. Um, so you have seen me through a lot of different phases of my dating life. And it's so interesting because I had never like worked with a dating coach. I never officially like hired you as a dating coach, but we worked together when I worked at Hinge and we have been friends ever since. And so there were a lot of times that I did lean on you and you welcomed me with open arms. And I appreciate that. Uh, It clearly worked. I mean, I can honestly say that without your help, I would not be in the relationship I'm in now with Jake. And there are definitely certain things along the way where I can pinpoint moments that you change things for me or you change the direction or the path I was heading down. Yeah, that's super interesting. Well, first of all, I just feel honored that I was able to help and I'm glad that you're in a happy relationship now. I would love to hear your reflections on it because from my perspective, I'm like, oh, we always like spoke in a friend capacity. And I was just saying to you, maybe what I would say to clients and maybe what I would say to friends, but it always felt totally. like know, very friendly and not transactional at all. And so I'm curious, like, was it different from what you were hearing from your friends? Like, I think that's what's interesting to me because I only know what I said, but I'm curious how it differed from what you were hearing from like what I'm sure it was like a chorus of friends. Yeah. So I remember there was a guy that I had gone on a few dates with in probably late summer, early fall of 2020. And I was super into him. Mm -hmm. It seemed like he was Mm -hmm. super into me. 
And uh, after maybe our third date, he texted me to let me know that he had just decided to go spend like the next few months of quarantine in Florida. And he wasn't leaving. It was maybe oh, like yeah. September or October. He wasn't leaving until November, December, but he was leaving indefinitely. And he let me know. He was like, I really like hanging out with you. I've loved getting to know you. It'd be great to continue doing this, but I don't know if that makes sense since I am leaving for I don't know how long. And this was really tough for me because in so many dating situations prior, this would happen where guys were like, well, I really like hanging out with you, but like, I'm not looking for a relationship, but we can keep hanging out because I like hanging out with you. And to me, even though I knew that the right thing to do would be to walk away, I was like, oh, but like, I'll convince them to stay, like, I'll convince them to like me, whatever it is. And I kept getting hurt. But in this case, the guy was like, I do like you. I, it's not that I don't want something serious. It's that I'm leaving. And so I was kind of like, oh, but like, he wants to keep going on dates until he's gone. If that's something I'm okay with, like maybe I can handle it because it's not like, oh, well, he just wants something casual. It's different than all the other times. And I don't know. I think my friends, they never really pushed me in a specific direction or even if they did, I, I just ignored them. I didn't want to hear it from them. And so I remember calling you and explaining the situation to you. And like, it was right when he had told me this and we were like deciding if we were going to go on this date that night. And I really didn't know what to do because I really wanted myself to make the right decision and and be strong and like protect my heart for once in my life. But I obviously, that was hard for me to do. And that was a hard decision for me to make. And so I remember talking to you on the phone and you kind of put it out there. You were like, well, you have this opportunity right now. Like you're at a crossroads and you could make a decision that's going to save you so much heartache. That's going to put you on a different path than all the times you've made this decision before. You can actually do something different and be really proud of yourself for it. And from my perspective, you saying that I could make a better decision that's better for myself and that I can look back and be proud of and think of this as a turning point in my dating life, that's what made me say to him, I've loved hanging out with you too. <laughs> I've been in this situation before and every time I've stayed in it and I've gotten hurt and so I need to do what's best for me and back out. That's great. I mean, I I am it's really nice to hear that story a year and a half later when you are in a happy relationship because in the moment you're like giving up not a sure thing, but you're giving up a thing for now for the possibility in the future of something better, but I think there's a great lesson there which is like if someone's only going to give you a little bit of what you want, you need to respect and love yourself enough to say no to that so that the thing that you do want has a chance to come along. And it's also interesting because a lot of times people come to me with a question and they're like, well, my friends all think this. And I'm like, well, you're not paying your friends and your friends aren't an expert. Like you are paying me and I am an expert. And it's funny because I do think that what I'm saying has value, but it's also just when you hire someone, you are actually more open to listening to them. I think that there's like, I mean, there's a lot of psychological reasons behind this, but it's like, I am paying you, therefore I value you. Therefore, when you say something, I actually might follow it more than if like my mom just said that advice, even if I am saying the same thing as your mom. And so there's sort of this feeling of like, what actually makes someone make a different decision? And so I think for you, it sounded like what resonated was this feeling of, oh, I've been down this road before. Like, I know how this goes. Like, of course the guy's gonna be happy to keep hanging out. Of course the guy's gonna be happy to keep hooking up. 
um, in the beginning, I'll be happy to have someone. And then in the end, you'll just keep wanting more. It'll become about like the chase or like, if I was special enough, you wouldn't go to Florida, you would choose me. And like, it becomes about changing someone's mind, which now there's like a power imbalance versus if you say like, no, you know what? Actually, I have enough friends and I have enough random you know, guys in my life, I can text like what I actually don't have is a boyfriend. And so I'm going to say no to this for now. I'm going to send you on your way, wish you well. And I'm actually going to keep looking for someone who's choosing me. I'm choosing them. And neither of us is convincing the other person to be with us. Exactly. And I think hearing it from you, even though like I didn't set out to like hire you, but I think just hearing it from you with your expertise and you giving me the two options saying like, you can do this, like you've done before, or you can do this and feel a lot better and be one step closer to finding the right person that empowered me to make the right decision. And you said you weren't forcing me to make that decision. You said you have these two options. You can figure out what to do, but you kind of just hearing it from you was so much different than hearing it from my friends. And Oh my God, I wish I, I wish I had met you years earlier. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) Um, yeah, I like what you said just to reinforce the point, which is Maybe some of us are like, I'm already on this path and like I'm headed down this road and like I have to see where it ends or like we have to get to the end of the story. It's like, no, like actually many moments are crossroads. Every time you send a text, it's a crossroads. It's like, do I send you an anxious, unhappy text so that you make me feel better, but now we're developing this needy dynamic or do I actually just not text you right now and like send you a text when I'm in a calmer, happier place? Do I text my ex-boyfriend or not. Like each of these moments we're making a choice and not that it's always easy to make the right choice, but if you really think about the fact that you have a choice and then you think about the consequences of them, I think it makes it easier for us to make a different choice because we want a different outcome. Absolutely. And then even with Jake, when he and I first started going on dates, I I came home from our first date and I was like, not that excited. And you were like, mm. but did anything go wrong? And I'm like, no, it was just like, <laughs> it was just like a blah date, but he's nice. He's cute, whatever. And you're like, okay, go on the second date. And I did. And like, I was like, it was a little better, but like, and eh, I'm still like super into that other sparky guy over there. Um, but I mean, it's, it was so interesting to see your whole concept of like, fuck the spark and go after the slow burn really play out in front of my eyes with, these two different guys and and specifically with Jake who like I usually am so drawn like historically I've been so drawn to the people who like I come home from the date and I'm like oh my god I'm in love and obviously it's never worked out with those people and so to have you there kind of being this voice in my head and this like little like Logan on my shoulder being like okay he seems like stable and good and normal um that kind of reminded me of okay maybe this is a really good thing maybe this could be a really good thing and I shouldn't just give it up or, or go on to the next because I'm not head over heels after the first or second date. Yeah. I think that's a great story because fuck the spark, go after the slow burn and then make the second date the default are two of my concepts that I think are really powerful, but probably I get the most questions on them. And one of the questions I get is people are basically like, so what you're saying is settle. Like, you don't have to be that into the person. It's fine. They're good enough. And like, no, that's not the point at all. The point is that some people don't spark on a first date. Some people are not particularly extroverted. Some people are a little shyer and it takes them time to warm up. And so like, there's no part of you sitting here being like, eh, Jake's a six out of 10, but that's good enough for me. No, no, no. It's not that you are sitting here 
not that into Jake. You are head over heels into him. You just weren't after the first date. And so I feel like that's a really good example of the two principles, which is like, fuck the spark, go after the slow burn. Like he is a person that got better over time to the point where you are now where you're really, really happy with him and make the second date the default. It's like if you had been going on tons of first dates, let's say it wasn't the pandemic, some other sparkier guy or two would have caught your attention and he might have not even made it into the queue for that second date. But going on the second date helps you find those less sparky people because you're giving them a chance to show you who you are on that second date. Obviously, if after the third date or you know even the second date you were like, I have no interest in him, I'm not attracted to him, all these things, like I wouldn't say like keep dating him in perpetuity, but what you did is you gave him a chance to warm up. Yeah, and sometimes I think it's actually really helpful to like zoom out and and realize that if you take a step back and think about dating in general, like you're meeting somebody for the first time and you're trying to impress them, but that could also be really scary and really nerve wracking and really anxiety provoking. And not everyone is going to put their absolute best foot forward on a first date. And so I love the make the second date the default idea because you're actually giving that person a chance to show who they are and to be more open and more comfortable with you. And that's something that I think we all should be like actively allowing for. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about some of my favorite people in my life. And Scott's included. Scott's best friend who's dating one of my best friends is in this category. It's like, they're really funny. And they're also a little neurotic and a little shy. And like, they don't show up to the first date guns blazing. It's kind of like this slow burn where you have to make them comfortable and then they show you how funny they are and then they say a joke where you're like wait was that a joke are they serious are they making fun of me and then you're like wait that's actually the funniest thing I've ever heard and then like over time like as they get more comfortable you're just like wow you have the best personality but that person isn't like a golden retriever where they just like run up to everyone (laughs) and are like so happy it takes them time. Like, I think that Scott's more like a cat, right? Did you ever see, I just saw this billboard or maybe it was a meme or something that was like, if cats could text, they wouldn't text. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Right. Like sometimes slow burns are a little bit more like Yeah. So speaking of cats and slow burns, I love the story of you and Scott. And I would love for you to take my listeners through how you met and the fact that you weren't into him when you met for the first many years, but here you are now. Sure. Yeah. So Scott and I originally met in college and we know this because we became Facebook friends that week. So I think at the time um, I was having lunch in a dining hall in college and with my then boyfriend and Scott was in that person's math class. And so we had lunch and then he wrote on my Facebook wall a few days later about a class that you know, maybe I had looked at, but hadn't ended up taking. So that was a long time ago. And then we were never really friends in college. Like I don't have another memory of seeing him or spending time with him. So then seven years after that, I was at a shuttle stop at Google where I worked at the time and where he worked at the time. And he came up to me and he's like, oh, you know, didn't you date so-and-so saying the name of the person I had dated in college? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I work here now, blah, blah, blah. And then maybe a few months after that, I 
had a lunch for the interns from my college. And I don't think this exists anymore, but I went to Facebook and I was like, you know, people who went to this college plus work at Google and this whole list of people came up and Scott came up and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Like I remember that guy. So I invited him. So he came to the lunch and we did have a really good time. Like I thought he was funny. We had a great conversation and I talked about how I was trying to learn this statistical programming language called R. And he was like, I just dropped out of a PhD program in math. I wrote R every day. I can help you. And I think by the time I got back to my desk, he had already sent me an email being like, here's how to download R. Here's some instructions. Here's a group that you should join where people talk about R questions, which in retrospect is actually not the most common behavior for him. So it's interesting that like he, you know, felt something enough to send that and he started tutoring me. And as he tutored me, you know, there was some attraction there, but there was a couple things that he said where I was like, oh, this just isn't the person for me. So I remember one time I was talking about like how much I loved going to Burning Man and he was like, oh, like I I hate everyone who goes to Burning Man or I don't like to be friends with anyone who goes to Burning Man. And I was like, okay, like clearly this is not the person for me. Or another point I was talking about, I think going to India for work or a trip I had gone on to India for work. And he's like, oh, I don't, you know, it sounds like a hassle. I don't really like that like type of international travel or something. It sounds hard. And so in my head, you know, I was evaluating guys that I met and I was like, oh, not a person for me, like doesn't like Burning Man, doesn't like international travel. So pretty quickly he moved out of the category of like someone I would maybe be interested in to someone who was just a friend. And like that didn't really change. So he kept tutoring me and we had these like really fun moments and he was a great tutor. And like I, he was hilarious and fun and I liked spending time with him, but he wasn't in the category of like someone that I was felt had romantic feelings for. And then I ended up going to Burning Man that fall, meeting this guy, falling for him super hard you know, chasing after him, like the worst anxious avoidant loop of my life. Like I remember my friends just being like, oh, like clearly like you have some pattern you have to have to act out and this guy has some pattern you have to act out and you guys are hurting each other. But, you know, it seems like this is just something that has to happen. And it got to the point where I just felt like I was in so much pain from it. It was causing me so much trouble that I hired a dating coach. And a lot of it was understanding how did I want someone to make me feel? What what dynamic did I want in this relationship? And I wanted someone who made me feel desired and appreciated and who made me laugh and I made them laugh. And there was just this dynamic that I was looking for. And then when I thought about this guy from Burning Man who I was chasing after, like it was the opposite. Like he made me feel anxious. He was unreliable. He was super unclear about how he felt about me or maybe in retrospect, he was clear and how he felt about me was not interested and all these things. And then there's just this moment of like, well, I she lived about, I don't know, a 45-minute walk from me. And so I would always walk home like full of her ideas in my head. And I just remember thinking like, oh, this guy from work that I've been spending time with who I wrote off, he has a lot of these qualities. And it didn't just happen in a second, but it was like I felt drawn to spend more time with him. And we started having lunch together at work all the time. Um, we When he was in my neighborhood, he would – let me know and maybe we would meet up. But it was all very friendly. And I even remember I would text him after dates or I would call him after dates. And I think it's a, like an old Usher song or something from the 90s. It's like, oh, you're the one I talked to about relationship problems, but like you're the one that I should be dating. And it it had a feeling like that. And then eventually I just said to him like, hey, I don't have plans on Friday night, you know, kind of like 
a signal to ask me out and he was like, great, let's hang out. And then, yeah, we've been hanging out ever since. Oh. And why I like that story is it could have just turned out that I was like, I still go to Burning Man and he doesn't come and that's fine. I still have international travel and he doesn't, that's fine. Like there's a form where you just accept part of who your partner is and you can create a life in which you do that with other people. But in this case, I would say like I had actually written him off way too fast for that. Like he and I have been to Burning Man together a couple times. He likes it. Um, we've gone on really adventurous vacations together. We've done a scuba diving trip where you live on a boat for four days and you scuba dive four or five times a day. We've gone on a safari. Like we've gone on these like pretty incredible trips where you prioritize that, you know, you're spending your time and money there. And I think it was just a feeling of he hadn't had that experience yet. So he didn't know if he would like it. And so for me, it's this feeling of in that moment, I couldn't even see who he was. And I was so focused on this other type of guy, but through doing this work with a coach, I realized what mattered. And then I found that in a person who was already in my life as a friend. I love that so much. And I, I like almost teared up when you were like, and we hung out and we've been hanging out ever since. Um, I yeah. love that. And and that really is how it goes. Um, did you know, I mean, you didn't know then maybe, but do you know now, um, was Scott like actively into you that whole time that he was tutoring you, that you were hanging out, but not hanging out? It's a good question. I've definitely thought about it. I don't have a clear cut answer. Like, Sure. I do think it's weird that he came back from that lunch and sent me all that stuff about R because now that I know him, he's not really that kind of person. He's not like, oh, give me your email. Like, I'll follow up. Like, he's just right. Like, that's actually not right. like a slow he's a cat. trade. He's like, <laughs> right. He's a cat. Like, more people come to him. So that does feel like he was interested. But he also, like, had just dropped out of grad school, was kind of lonely. Like, maybe he really just wanted a friend or just wanted to hang out. Like, I'm not sure. There is this really cute story where – I guess the timing, maybe it was like right before we moved from friends to dating or something, but his mom came to town for a weekend and they did different activities. And one of the activities was like coming to a coffee shop near my house. And I like met up with him and his mom and his mom has told me this story that she was in a writing class at the time and she wrote an essay called The Night I Met My Daughter-in-Law. Shut up. I just got the chills. Yeah. Oh, my know, God. So cute. Oh, my so God. Oh. Scott's mom feels like, oh, obviously he liked you. You were like a really important person in his life. He literally brought me to meet you before you were dating. Like there was something, whether or not you guys would end up dating, there was like something that he wanted me to spend time with you. So I think at least at that point, right before we started dating, he could tell that there was something special. But no, I'm not like, oh my God, I found like all these love poems he wrote me during that year. I think we were both figuring it out. He was also going on dates with other people. Like things are complicated and I think it does take us a while to find the person that makes us happy. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's why it's called dating. That's what we do. We date and we date and we date and we date and then we find that person. Um, so one thing I definitely want to talk about, um, in your book, you cover the concept of OSOs, other significant others. And you also talked about that in your New York Times Modern Love column that came out at the beginning of 2021. And I love this concept. And I think it's especially something that I want my listeners to learn about because I know, and I was like this too in the past where like, you're so 
like you want a boyfriend, you want a girlfriend, you want that partner. And it's all you want in the world. Like you have a good job, like you have a fine apartment, you have your friends, but the relationship is the one thing that is the missing piece in your life. And I know a lot of people listening to this podcast, if you're listening to a dating podcast, that is probably the way you feel for the most part. And so what I've seen happen to myself, to some of my friends, some of my listeners is because we want the relationship so badly, we get into it. And then that's all we focus on. We we obsess over it. All we want to do is spend time with our partner and we kind of leave our friends behind. We forget that those other relationships are important. And the reason I love this concept of having other significant others is because it shows how important it is to maintain those relationships and how they're actually a part of your relationship. So I'd love if you could explain that and um, explain the why behind it and also how it's manifested in your life. Sure. So the research for this concept was done at Northwestern. So one of my mentors is Eli Finkel, who's a professor there who runs a relationship research lab. And the woman who in particular did this research, her name is Elaine Chung. And what's so cool is that after completing this research and getting her PhD, she now works at Hinge. And so I have an opportunity to talk to her every day and do research with her. And so it's really fun to kind of have a research crush on someone and then they become one of your colleagues and she's fantastic. So the research that Elaine and Eli did is they spoke to a bunch of different couples and they said, you know, for these different situations, who would you go to in your life? And couples who could say more names, who had different people to go to for different situations, had happier, more successful relationships than couples who said, oh, we only have each other or we have maybe like one or two other people. And so the idea is that when you are in a couple, you might expect to get all of your needs met by one person. You might expect to say, oh, I'm Alana and Jake's going to be the person that I try out new restaurants with, that I work out with, that I complain to about my family, that I get help from my friends, who I go to concerts with, right? It's like this person's going to be every single role in your life and you want that person to be able to fulfill all of your needs, to want to fulfill all your needs, to go to do a good job at that, right? And the truth is that that's unrealistic because most people are not well-suited for all of those different roles. So if you actually have a different framework in mind and you think about it as, okay, there are certain roles that Jake's really good at, right? Jake is the person I want to try new restaurants with. And Jake has awesome taste in music. And he is the person I want to go to concerts with. But you know what? Jake's not the person I talk to about career. Or Jake's not that interested in talking about my friend's drama. So I will go to someone else for that. And it's that critical moment where it's who's the other person that you go to. And that is your OSO or your other significant other. They play roles in your life that your partner is either not well-suited for or not interested in playing. And why this matters so much is that that way you're going to your partner for the right things, but not for all of the things. It takes pressure off that person, and it also keeps you connected to your community. And so I like saying to people, who are your OSOs and what roles do they play? And for some people, it's a struggle for them because they've been with their partner long enough and they're kind of, especially in the pandemic, the sort of duo or twosome where it's just the two of them. But that often leads to disappointment because you say, I always want to talk to him about this and he's never interested. It's like, well, then talk to someone else about that. Obviously, there's a limit. You can't outsource all of the different parts of your relationship. At some point, it's like, well, what are you going to your 
actual partner for. But I find that the concept of OSOs is really helpful because you're you are building a community around you. You have other people to go to. And the things that you're doing with your partner are the things that they are particularly well suited for. Yeah. It's funny that you called out uh, trying new restaurants and going to concerts with Jake that we definitely do try new restaurants together. He does not have good music taste, but he likes the Jonas Brothers. So we did go to a Jonas Brothers concert together. Um, But yeah, I mean, it makes complete sense. And it's just something that I feel like people don't really stop to consider, which is why I love that you ask people those questions and, and challenge them to figure that out. I mean, I can even the first thing that comes to mind is like my dad loves to talk about politics and complain about what is going on in our government and my mom wants to hear nothing of it and every day they're yelling at each other because he wants to talk about it and she's like I don't want to hear it and it's like dad go talk talk to somebody else about it like you've known this you've been married to her for over, over 30 years like you know that she doesn't want to talk about it so go find somebody else to talk about it to um yeah so I think that's that's a really smart and a really good way to make sure that you still also have relationships outside of your partner because I think it could be really unhealthy if if you rely on that one person for everything. So yeah, I love the example of your dad because I mean even the fact that after 30 years he's still like Barbara listen to what Trump did and she's like assholes. I don't want to hear it. I think it's just funny and it speaks to the theme of what we've been talking about today which is you know, it's hard to change your ways or we get stuck in our patterns or it's hard to make a difference, but you could just literally say to your dad, like, dad, who's your politics OSO? Like, go call them. I'm sure they're happy to complain with you for the next half an hour. And then your mom is saved that time. Your dad gets his needs met. And so instead of wishing, I wish Barbara cared more about politics, you just say, I know Barbara doesn't care about this and I'm going to talk to the person who does. And I think it's in that moment that you actually strengthen your relationship because you go to your partner for the right things, not for all the things. Exactly. And I mean, that's something that Jake and I recently discussed over like, I wanted to watch the show like Emily in Paris season two came out and I wanted to watch it. And he was like, I don't want to watch that show with you. And I'm like, But he's like, Alana, we can have shows that we don't watch together. Like we need our own, like we need Jake shows and Alana shows. Yes, we watch like these five shows together, but we also need shows to watch separately and or like with our friends. And so we have determined like what those are. And I've recognized that like he needs to go like play basketball with friends and like I need to go work out with friends or go like talk about random dumb shit that's happening in pop culture with other people. And so I think that's really important to not try and like force a conversation or an activity or a topic on to your partner, especially if they've expressed that it's not something that they're interested in. Yeah. I think the TV show example is really fun and smart because it's like, I love the couple shows like Scott and I love, um, better call Saul. Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? Yeah, like it hasn't been on in like two years. Yeah, we love that show, and that's definitely our show. And then there's shows where I'm like, this is a Logan show, this is a Scott show. Ooh, there's one that we can watch together. And I think just maybe early on in a relationship, and I think your Emily and Paris example is perfect. You might be like, all shows are Jake and Alana shows, and it's like, no, probably not. And that moment that you can just be like, I also am a person with my own identity and my own choice of shows, and you are allowed to be the separate thing. Like that feels like a really important stage to get to. And maybe somebody gets to that and is like, we're not in the honeymoon stage. It's like, yeah, well, the honeymoon stage doesn't last. You're actually in a more realistic stage that is sustainable. So if you're listening to this and you're dating someone and you have your own shows, it's a good sign, not a bad one. 
one of my friends came to me recently and she had sent a message to somebody. She sent me a screenshot of it and she was like, I'm so out of it. Like I haven't been in the game in so long. Like this is me trying to flirt. Did I fall on my face or did I do okay? And we got into a whole conversation about it. And she basically was like, I just don't know like what else I can do. Like I've tried everything. I've downloaded all the apps. I swiped through 40 people on Hinge a day. I'm out of roses. I'm sending messages and nothing's working. And so my question is, what would you suggest for somebody who's in that situation who feels so exhausted and so burnt out and like they've really given it their all and it just hasn't worked? Yeah, it's a great question. I do think a lot of people feel that way. And so there's some personal questions I would ask her like to understand her situation especially, but I can just like speak to it broadly. So kind of broad strokes for someone who's not getting what they want. There are things that you can do in the app. So one of them is just refreshing your profile. I know that that seems really simple. It's like, yeah, duh, profile matters. But there's all these nuanced ways in which it matters. For example, I had this client who did trapeze. And so she had these like really cool pictures of her doing trapeze. But then all that guys would comment on is the trapeze pictures. And then she was always having conversations about doing circus stuff and it was really boring. So even though it was an awesome picture, we ended up having her swap it out because then she had a different conversation. So if you are sick of the conversations you're having on the app, switching out your pictures and your prompts leads to different conversations, which could be re-energizing. I could also hear your friend being like, Logan, it's not the profile. Like my profile is fine. Okay. So another thing is that Oftentimes when people are feeling like this, we say, oh, you're burned out. You should take a break from dating. And that's what I would have said in the past. But we did really cool research on this at Hinge where we found that actually some of the people that are most burned out are women who are getting a lot of incoming likes, women who actually have a lot of options, but they feel overwhelmed by the number of options. And many times in these cases, those women are not also going after people that they like because they're like, why would I? I'm getting all these incoming likes. But what we find is that the more in control of your dating life that you feel, the more proactive you feel, the more you're going after what you want, the less burned out you feel. So it's sort of counterintuitive, right? You're like burnout equals I should take a break. And now you're saying to me, burnout equals I should do more. Yes, that's counterintuitive, but it's what we found. And so for your friend, it's like, is she just letting people come to her? What can she actually do to go after the people that she wants? That's something that might help. Another big thing is a mindset shift. So I would have her take the quiz on my website and see, is she a maximizer, a hesitator, romanticizer? I want to understand what's going on for her. Let's say we found out she's a romanticizer. I might say, okay, so you are very focused on a love story that unfolds in a certain way. You want this soulmate. You want this person to look like a certain package that you have in your mind. Like, how can we move you away from that? Or if she's a hesitator, I'd be like, okay, you're not even really putting yourself out there at all. Let's change that. If she was a maximizer, I would say, how can we help you focus on building a great relationship versus finding the perfect person? And so a lot of it is the mindset that you're bringing into dating because I've had clients who say, <clears throat> I've gone on 150 dates. I just haven't met the right person. I just have to keep dating. And I'm like, no, I think you could go on 150 more dates and be in the same position because it's not just the quantity of dates. It's also like the mentality, the mindset, the attitude that you're bringing to those dates. And we need to shift what's going on for you. Yeah. 
it's it's funny because I mean, even hearing just being refreshed on the tendencies, like there are things I can point out. Like, I mean, she's and she's gonna kill me for saying this, but like she is so picky. She has this vision of what she expects her future partner to look like. And so she closes herself off to anyone who's not that. And I've said to her, like, you don't need somebody who went to an Ivy League college. Yes, that sounds nice, but you you didn't go to an Ivy League college either. And you don't need somebody like that. And you don't need somebody who reads the same number of books as you a year. They could still be as intellectually stimulating and, and like emotionally intelligent as you if they don't read 100 books a year also. And so I think that's a really, that's really good advice. Also, for anyone listening, if you have not taken Logan's quiz, where can people find that and go take it and learn about what's holding them back in dating? Sure. Yeah. So the quiz is something that's in my book, but people who want to take it for the first time or re- have a refresher can go to loganyuri.com slash quiz. And it's really interesting to hear what you said because your friend's perspective is, Alana, I'm doing everything and it's not working. But when you really reflect on what's going on, you're like, well part of quote unquote doing everything is also maybe changing your attitude or being open to different types of people. And so I think that if you're listening and you're like, I feel the same way as Alana's friend, I feel like I've you know used all the roses and swiped on all the people and refreshed my profile. It's like, okay, well, that's sort of all external stuff that you're doing. Those are actions that you're taking, but what's the internal piece? What's the piece where you say, I've tried to find the over six foot tall guy and there's not that many of them. And the ones I've met, I don't like, or they don't like me. I want the Ivy league guy. Okay. Why? So that you can tell your mom you're dating that guy, like really questioning the assumptions that you've made and then making a different choice. Kind of going back to what we talked about with the Jake thing or no, it wasn't even Jake. It was the guy, you know, prior to Jake where you were like, I could just keep hanging out with him even though he's not fully available. And then you're like, no, 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 I've done that. I'm going to make a different choice. Yeah, especially if you see that the way you've been doing things isn't working. You have nothing to lose by trying something else out, and you might be surprised what good can come of it. So before I let you go, what is your wish for everyone in how they date? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, we are recording this in January 2022, so I'm thinking a lot about new year, fresh start, what's going on for people. Hmm. What would be my wish? Thinking about changes. What comes to mind for me, I would say my number one wish for people dating this year is that they identify one bad dating habit that's been holding them back in the past and that they make a commitment to themselves, that they make a commitment to their accountability buddy to not do that anymore and to make a different choice moving forward. I love it. That's perfect. Logan, thank you so much for being here. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. If you need an accountability buddy, hit me up. I'm here for you. I will make sure that it happens. Logan, where can everybody find you? Thanks, Alana. It was so much fun to talk to you. I'm really glad we were able to make this happen. People can find me on Instagram at Logan Yuri. They can go to my website, loganyuri.com, and there they can find all the info about my class and they can sign up for my newsletter. 
Amazing. And I will have the links in the show notes and on social. And don't worry, you guys, I will also make sure to keep in touch with Logan and find out when those courses are happening so you can apply and hopefully make some great changes in your dating life. Logan, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am so glad we finally made this happen. To everyone who tuned in, send this episode to a friend who would benefit from listening to it. And stay tuned for this week's Unfiltered with two of Logan's students. That is amazing. And I can't wait for you to hear what they learned and what they got out of the course.